what every church wants. And, uh, and so we are doing that here by genuinely laying uh, our lives down and depending upon him and how the spirit moves in our own personal life. And he's told us that this is how we want your church to, to look and to operate like. And the point of it is for you all to begin to know his voice in your life too. As, as leaders, as we have let go of the things uh, that we know and we love about even the good things of God for the sake of following his spirit, we hope that it gives you all courage also to listen to what he's saying to your life, to, to make the adjustments that you know are his so that you can become more like Jesus, uh, full of love, full of courage, no fear in your life, full of peace, uh, full of being willing to risk all things for him. And so as, as, we, as we follow him, your encouragement is also not, uh, not simply to follow always what the church is doing, but to learn how to listen to the Lord in your own personal life. And we learn how to do that in the context of community, and we will support you in that. And at the end of the service today, we have two folks from our congregation that are being sent by the Lord out into the mission world uh, because they've heard the voice of the Lord in their own life. And there are many of you who have been following that voice for years. And there are many who in this city are coming to this church and are going to be coming to this church that don't yet know that voice. And so what I'm uh, empowering you to do and what I am giving you permission to do and what I want you to do is take what you know of the Lord, even if you think it's so little, and find those people in your life that don't yet know that same voice and give it to them. Show them how they can also hear and obey the Lord with great love and peace in their own heart. And so that's why I want you guys to get together when we have times like this and say, let's go grab a cup of coffee. And this begin to, to sharpen one another. What, what, what's the Lord's voice sound like to you? Let the conversations be like, how did you find peace in this circumstance? Tell me about something that you struggle with and how you knew Jesus in that place so that I can face the same things without fear and become flourishing in those areas. These are the conversations of, of the church because we are sent out into the world as sheep among wolves, Jesus says. But this is a safe home. This is, this is the fellow sheep amongst us. You know, we, we, are, we are all alike in that way. We're all learning the way of Jesus. None of us have arrived, like Katie said, during worship. Let us put aside that naivety that we have arrived in some way. But instead, all who are mature think this way, that you haven't yet fully grabbed a hold of that which got a hold of you. But laying aside all that was behind you, let you yourself fully grab a hold of that which Jesus has for you. And today in our meeting, he has for you his spirit. There is a baptism of his Holy Spirit that he has for you. If you guys have read through the scriptures, uh, you know, and in, in, in seen how the, the Lord, how Jesus uh, moved in his life, he didn't start his ministry until the Holy Spirit came upon him when he was baptized. And he didn't really even start the power of his ministry until he was tested in the desert for those 40 days and then came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's in Matthew chapter, uh, Mark chapter 1 and Mark chapter 2. The point of, um, of me saying this is that uh, without the Holy Spirit in your life, uh, you don't yet know the power of the Lord to overcome the obstacles that he has called you to do. And so today we're going to talk about how to cultivate a life in the Holy Spirit. Uh, so if you're familiar, I'm going to skip ahead in my mind a little bit. Uh, if you're familiar a bit with the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 18, let me give some historical context to this. In Acts chapter 18, verse 24 and following, the disciples... Uh, of Jesus had gone out and they're planting churches everywhere. They're showing people what Jesus is like everywhere they go. And, 
and, and, it's, and it's perhaps maybe different than what even we were aware of uh, as we grew up in church here in the South. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he had taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, he took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty astonishing thing. So he knew the scriptures well. He could speak it eloquently and could dive into the scriptures, it seems like probably better than anyone around at that time. And yet, because he didn't yet know the Holy Spirit's baptism, he had much more to grow into. And it was Priscilla who came in and discipled him into this. Uh, so Apollos had been thinking about going to uh, Acacia, or Achaia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Achaia, asking him to welcome him. And when he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. Uh, and then he refused the Jews by powerful arguments, so he's an apologist in the public debate, and he used the scriptures to explain to them that Jesus was the Messiah. And while Paulus, Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus. On the coast, he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul laid hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. And so I, I think you kind of get where the story uh, was going from chapter 18, verse 24, to this part of chapter 19, where there's a, a demonstration here that the, uh, the writer was wanting us to get, to get of the difference between knowing God through repentance and God through the scriptures and knowing God through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That there is a difference and there is more available to us in the realm of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I recognize that here in the South, like I grew up Methodist. I was a, the acolyte. You know, I would come down with the robes on and I had the fire at the altar and I would I'd place the fire there and I would be terrified because the pastor was looking at me and if the fire went out, which sometimes it did, then it was like, did I just, did I just quench the fire, you know, of, of God, you know, and, and I would, we, we had another acolyte there and then if mine went out, then he would come over and light his, but I had to be aware to, to light the other ones and, and so it was just like this thing that we had to do in church. And I didn't know why we did it, but I just was asked to put on the robe and go up to the front and do that kind of stuff. And, and there's things like that that we'll do and not know why. But it wasn't until later on when I was in seminary and I had a, a dear friend of mine, uh, a chaplain at the, the seminary, uh, you know, tell me one day that the Lord was speaking to me these certain things. And I had no idea that the Lord could speak like that. And because he, he, he read my mail. I'd been a, a hedonist for years and the, the man looked at me and said, you've been living your life for yourself. But now, if you live your life for God, he'll bless you. And I'm like, <laughs> that's amazing. Like, how did you know that? And so he began to uh, minister to me and to pray with me. And, uh, and I went through a season where uh, he began to ask me questions like, hey, do you struggle with, uh, with anxiety? And do you struggle with second-guessing yourself? And I was like, yeah. He's like, those are spirits that are actually afflicting you. And I'm like, how do you know that? 
But he would pray for me, and he would remove those spirits, and then I would experience this freedom uh, from whatever those things were. I would experience peace, and I would experience conviction, and then the scriptures, they, they became more alive. Uh, I began to experience the Holy Spirit and Jesus more as I read the scriptures, and then more as I just prayed in general. So the fruit of it was evident. It was causing me to have a holy fire for the Lord more and more and more. But it wasn't something that I was aware of growing up. I, I knew that you could read the scriptures and know about God that way. I, and I knew there were good works, and, and I, I liked you know, the, the sacraments, all that kind of stuff. But it wasn't really that I knew God completely in his power until I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so when Paul and the apostles and the others are, are addressing us in this passage to talk about this, they want to make, uh, they want to make sure that you also have that same experience of God. Uh, because you have maybe been a part of churches that have been able to wonderfully eloquate th- the scriptures to God and help people uh, disarm the arguments they have against him. Um, I read, you know, Josh Carpenter. Josh, uh, uh, what's his last name? Um, more than a carpenter. When I was a, uh, an engineer. Josh um, McDowell. Josh McDowell. You guys know him well. And uh, so Josh McDowell, more than a carpenter, and he was an apologist. He was explaining, you know, uh, why it is that Jesus did what he did and that kind of stuff. And it helped me to know exactly those scriptures that Jesus is truly the Messiah. Um, and that was helpful for me. It got my mind straight. But I still struggled with the things of the world because I didn't have a power within me to overcome those things. And so it wasn't until I received the power of the Holy Spirit that suddenly like, I, would, I would pray for certain things that I was struggling with and they would disappear in my life. I began to receive a fullness of, of, of joy and communion with the Holy Spirit that would give me such comfort and peace, I could easily turn away from the habits of my mind that were compelling me to act and behave that were ungodly at times. And so I I want to encourage us as a family that we are also, as we're seeking Jesus through the scriptures, uh, as we're seeking Jesus in a life of godliness, that we are also seeking him through his Holy Spirit. That's, That's paramount to how we breathe. We, we can't survive in this world as sheep among wolves unless we are enveloped in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there is a power that's out there in the world. If you read the scriptures, it wasn't just uh, people's arguments and people's violence that Jesus was confronting. It was the principalities and the actual spirits behind them at all times. And so the Father in his goodness and his kindness, he, he gives us Jesus. And, and, and Jesus... He came, it says in Romans 8, that he came in the form and the likeness of sinful flesh. He was fully man and he was fully God, and he came in the same weak bodies that you and I have. And the goodness of the Father shows, I'm going to send my son, and he's going to do everything that I ask of him in complete dependency upon me. And he's going to therefore overcome every sin and every temptation that's out there. Because he knew that throughout human history, there had been many that had tried to live, you know, as best they knew how to, according to God's grace and according to God's righteousness, but, but really couldn't do it. That's the point, that's one of the main points of the Old Testament. It's one of the points of the whole book of Leviticus, which I, I kid around you guys. I, I dare you to read it in, in just three days. Try to read it in three days. The point of Leviticus is to show that, that you cannot complete the law without a Savior in your life. You know, there's so many things you have to, to know and to remember, but it's all part of your heart. And you get to the point where, like, I don't really want to do this stuff anymore. And if you can be that honest with God, then you can recognize that you need something more powerful than whatever you have inside of you to overcome these things. And so God, in his goodness, he sends Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, as a man 
just like you in your weakness and in the flesh that you know you probably tasted before have tried to do the things of God but weren't able to in your own strength. And so Jesus was tempted in every single way that you are. And he suffered in every single way that you that is, that is common to man that you have and you will in your life. In every single way. And so therefore he has the answer to do that. And that's why I've been talking about this in last, in last weeks. We are called to suffer, not because we are nihilist or fatalist, and not because we're masochist, not because we enjoy the suffering, but because of being born in sinful flesh like Jesus was, we also have to struggle with this fleshly body. But in so doing now, if we're willing to suffer with Christ, we experience now grace that overcomes these things. And it becomes our glory to flourish. Part of the reason why sometimes we walk in weakness and defeatedness and just surviving a lot of times because we haven't been willing to acknowledge our suffering with Jesus and releasing that to him to receive his grace. Because only then can he define himself as a savior in your life when you can't overcome things that are weak in the flesh with you. Does that make sense? And a lot of us just haven't developed a, a way that we can courageously bring those things to the light and not feel ashamed or guilty or afraid to do so. Or we're too busy to, uh, to slow down to hear the Lord speak to our life. But this is what I'm trying to get at in your life. And so we are also coming to be a community that's going to slow down and also going to acknowledge where we uh, fall short. Not, not because we, we want to become false humility, but because we want to find glory. The, the treasure hunters of you all in this community are the ones that have suffered well and have found glory in the middle of it. Uh, they're the ones that have gone into dark places and been able to find where uh, God is overcoming the, the weaknesses and the fears and the sins that are out there. You're the ones that have a gift to give. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 that he suffered all those things so that he wouldn't trust in God any longer, but trust in himself. Sorry, wouldn't trust in himself any longer, but trust in God who raises the dead. He suffered uh, the, the psychological and emotional anguish of heart. Uh, to get to the point where he could then say, I'm trusting in myself here, God. Please forgive me. I want to trust in you who raises the dead. And so circumstances were, um, were you know, put together in a way for God to help Paul to see that he was in some ways trusting in himself. Which is an astonishing thing for the apostle of Jesus to say. And so if it's true for the apostle of Jesus to say that, hey, listen, I, I'm suffering in some ways because I'm not trusting in God then it's also okay for you to say, I think there's something I'm doing in my life that I'm holding on to that's preventing me from receiving grace and glory. And so I, I want us to be a community that faces those difficulties courageously and knows that as you do so, you're going to be glorified. You're going to be resurrected in so doing. And that, that's going to cause us who have been through it enough to be like, hey, it's going to be okay. You know, what you've experienced, I, I know what that's like. And so I'm giving you a little bit of a vision for where we're going as a community especially in Charlotte. Charlotte is a, is a beautiful town. It is called to be a free city, a city of people that are redeemed in the land so that they can restore the ancient ruins. All of creation is calling out and groaning for you as sons and daughters and for the city of Charlotte as sons and daughters to rise up and hear the voice of the Lord say, you're forgiven, here's grace. And we know the struggles of our city, right? We, we have more churches here than any other place in the world per capita than in, any place in the world except for Edinburgh, Scotland. We have more church people here than anywhere else in the United States except for Memphis, Tennessee, per capita. And so we know, we know church, but we may not know the Holy Spirit.
We, we may have been taught really well from the scriptures. Yeah. We, we may have practiced good things from God. And yet we may also not know Jesus. You know, the, the point of everything is knowing him. Like he shows up to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And he goes to the scriptures. You know, he goes through the cross and the experience. He goes to prophecy. He, he goes through all these revelations. He goes to the sacraments. And he, and he, he shows himself in all these ways. But, it, but the point wasn't to show himself in scripture. It wasn't to, you know, point to scripture. It wasn't to point to the sacraments. It wasn't to point to prophecy even. It was to point to him. He is your reward. He is everything. Jesus is the one that our life is so satisfied within no matter what we're going through. He is, he is utterly fascinating to know. Like, how is it, Jesus, that your own disciples in betraying you, you can look them in the eye and say, forgive them, Father. You can look at them with eyes of love, like dove eyes for your people that were betraying you and not let it affect your soul to the point where you gave up on them. How did you do that, Jesus? Because we've been betrayed before, haven't we? We've experienced people that were close to us saying things that were not true and unkind and hurting us. And we felt instead indignant and bitter and, and vengeful and all those things. How is that? I'm fascinated, Jesus. How did you keep your heart pure and innocent in that way? How was it that you're able to look at the Father and say, Lord, like I release unto you. I, I, I'm lovesick for them that I only want to spend the rest of eternity with them. Like they just killed you, Jesus. I'm, I'm fascinated by the kind of love that's in him that could do that. And that's what's in you, Christian. It's the experiential Jesus that we are called to know as a church body. And so we're going to do so through the scriptures. We're going to do, the, do so through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to do so through the sacraments. We're going to do so through the contemplative prayer. We're going to do so through all the ways and means that God has given us through church history. Only for the purpose of knowing Jesus. And so that's, that's where we're aiming at. Jesus, he tells us, as I was sent into the world, so also do I send you in John chapter 20. Meaning that as he is right now, so are you in the world right now. You are to be like him. First John 4 tells us that, that as he is, so are you in the world. And so the very things that Jesus lived like and did, that's your calling. Many of you may be wondering, what's my calling? What, what am I supposed to do? What, what's my mission? What's my purpose in life? It's to be like Jesus. Well, I mean, does that mean I have to be a carpenter? Does that have to mean I have to be a banker? Am I have to be a pastor? No, you have to be like Jesus. Well, you know, but, but tell me, what's the path of my life? It's to be like Jesus. Do, do it in whatever setting you want to, but, but just become like him in the process of that. That's your mission. That's your call. And so in this, we, we have a call to get to know the Holy Spirit and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because that's our model. Jesus is that model in him. Um, Paul tells us, Philippians 2, that Jesus did not count equality with God something that he could grab a hold of. He, he, was, he was, you know, God. But he, he didn't grab a hold of it. He surrendered his life. And in surrendering, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that's your cause to look into a situation and ask, how can I surrender? How can I yield? How can I give up myself? And try not to grab a hold of what I want, but now to receive what that looks like. And so I think we all have uh, some, some fun examples of, of what that's going to be like. You know, and in my own life, I, I, I come in contact with this you know, every day. Uh, you know, when, when I look in, in my girls, and, and I see that they are called to be world changers. They're, they're called to be champions. They're, they're called to be leaders. They're, they're called to, to shine brightly. They're, they're called to be beautiful. And I'm like, I have no idea how to do that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being a little bit extreme. 
But I, I see the weight of their life in my hands, and I was like, I can't. I, I, Lord, they, they are eternal. They are transcendent. How, am, how is it possible to truly raise them up to become like you? And, and so, Lord, I, I yield them to you. My, my hands are open. You make me one who can help form them into be like that. And that's what the Lord tells me is pleasing. He says, because you have trusted me with them, I love being trustworthy. I will raise them up to become like myself. He loves being your savior. He loves being entrusted with the things that you've entrusted him with and, and raising those things up. Your call is to get to the place where you know in your, in your flesh, you know in your humanity that you don't have what it takes. And, and I'm not trying to be nihilistic. Again, I'm, I'm not trying to create false humility here. There's a, there's a level of honesty, if you guys are, are able to get there, where you know that you know in your own heart that you don't have what it takes by yourself. Okay, so let me clarify. Outside of Christ, you, you know that you know that you're inadequate. In that time, you say, Jesus, I, I acknowledge this before you. What do you want to give me in place of this? That's where he actually supplies you with your adequacy, your capability, with grace, with power to raise you up in that place. And so our, our call as a, as a Christian is to be honest, to walk in the light and to acknowledge, because ultimately he gets the glory for everything. So how can he get the glory for everything if you're saying, but I have it within me to do that? So you, you have to begin to let go of those things with, with him. And so we don't simply have a, a baptism of forgiveness from sins. We have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to walk into here today for a bit. Um, it's going to be a... This is essentially the, the heart of the message uh, that I wanted to get at because we're going to have a fun time here in just a few minutes. And so what I want us to do is uh, it's take a moment. Uh, we are an experiential community, so I want us to take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit to highlight one area of your life that he is wanting to give to you grace if you will let him by letting go of whatever that thing is. And so, uh, so you know, so you guys know kind of where I'm going with this. Let me give uh, you know a personal example. Um, there have been, as a as a as a leadership, these last few weeks, we have discerned that the Lord is inviting us to greater faith and greater freedom. And in so doing, He's asking us, He's been asking us as leadership to find an area um, where I have been holding on to uh, either like my understanding of who God is, even uh, or a practice, and and let that go. And so as a leader, sometimes like, I, I want so badly to have a Jesus that's in me just crammed into you. And so I'll, I'll, you know, give me the best sermon possible, God. And he's been saying, I don't want you to speak too much. I actually want you to create space for my Holy Spirit. And I've recognized that there's times where I've just spoken too much. I've gone past where grace is. And I said, Lord, why is this true? And it says, and he's been saying back, because you believe that in your words, you can put that in them. You know, that you can, and, and, and he does that at times. I'm not trying to, you know, be hard on myself. But he said, I'm inviting you right now to trust me that I will give them to you, to give, give them that which you want in your own heart, if you'll just trust me with that. And so I'm, I'm just being honest with you guys right now. I'm, I'm giving space right now for the spirit to move right now. Um, I, I want more than I could possibly put into words for you guys. And so let's create room right now and allow the Lord to do this. And so in a similar kind of way, um, I'm going to make room right now, if you wouldn't mind just closing your eyes. And Father, I do ask right now that you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. 
Father, in the same way that, that Paul, through the laying on of hands, was able to baptize people with your Holy Spirit, Lord, uh, Lord, I, I, just, I ask for your grace that you would fill your people afresh with your Holy Spirit. I ask that you would raise up within each of us here just one area where you are inviting us to receive grace through your spirit as we let go of whatever it is that we're holding on to. So whether it's self-effort, whether that's our intellect and believing that we have to understand a situation before we can trust you for it, whether it's believing that you actually have what it takes in Christ to do that job that he's asking you to do. Whatever that might be, just ask the Spirit to bring that up. that place it's helpful just to acknowledge to God Lord I, I've had a hard time trusting you in that area forgive my unbelief and in that area baptize me with the Holy Spirit give to me what I need to overcome that obstacle Father, as you're granting to your people your spirit, I ask that you would also give them in their imagination just an idea of how they can live out that grace. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we do, we treasure your Holy Spirit. The greatest gift given to mankind has been your, your son Jesus' very own spirit. That in the moment that we taste uh, this life for the last time, the spirit that's always been within us is there to carry us on into your presence forever. And so therefore, there's no sting in death. There's nothing to fear in life. Because we already have the experience of what eternal life is going to be like now. But I thank you for your people here in this room. And this week ahead, give them opportunity to courageously seek after those struggles. So they can find your grace and glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for that. I want to...